You're listening to Yo! An Underlords Podcast. Brought to you by YetiArcade.com. Yo! 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 Level up your game by getting the latest news, reviews, and strategy to help you in your quest to becoming a Lord of the White Spire. And now your hosts. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of Yo! An Underlords podcast brought to you by YetiArcade.com. Today is Sunday, August 11th of 2019 here in Kansas City. I'm your host, J.R. Cook, and I am joined by a couple co-hosts. So this is a three-man show. And uh, first up, coming all the way from Amish country, Indiana, we've got Willie. Willie, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Well, you this, sound uh, super podcast. excited. I am super excited. <laughs> I am just delighted to be here. Yeah. All right. And then coming all the way from the other northern part of the states in Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you're in the are, are you in the, the peninsula area or not? No, I'm basically 15 minutes from Detroit. All right. All right. All right. We got Charlie 15 minutes from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> How's it going? I'm excited to be here and talk some Underlords. A lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff to discuss this week. Yeah. Yeah. So since this is our, um, I don't need to stop this music. That plays for way too long. Um, <laughs> so since this is our first, uh, this is our first show of Underlords, Dota Underlords, yo, a podcast about Dota Underlords. I'm trying to say that a lot because I do another podcast and I'm trying to get used to the name of this one. Um, we just wanted to introduce ourselves and talk about ourselves just a little bit. So you kind of know, uh, why we're doing this show and, uh, where we've kind of come from. Um, so I'll kind of start real quick. Um, uh, like I said, uh, my name's JR. I'm from Kansas city. We've already established that. Um, but I, uh, have a couple websites. One of them is blizzpro.com, uh, which is a blizzard related uh, website that I've been running for about six years now. And I've also done a uh, Hearthstone podcast um, for about five years now uh, called Wall Met. And uh, I've been a co-host on that. Um, we're up to like 210 episodes. Um, and I've been very interested in um, CCGs, uh, collectible card games. I played Magic for, uh, I started playing Magic in like 1998, 97, probably 96 actually. It's been a long time. Um, and I played uh, very competitively in that for years. Um, I even went to nationals in 2009. which was about 10 years ago. And um, Dota Underlords was one of those games that I've heard about the auto chess battler games. And, and I'm like, ah, this sounds stupid. Why would I be interested in that? And then these two guys got me into playing one day on Underlords. And when I hopped in and played, I'm like, oh. I, I get this. This is actually kind of similar to uh, the CCGs that I like. Um, same kind of mindset, same kind of strategies involved. Um, it's just a little bit different. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get this. I get this. I like it. Um, I, I'll play it. And these guys got me into it. And, and I, I've done okay. I've done fairly well at picking the game up quickly. Um, right now I'm at like boss two, trying to get up to that big boss level and maybe get to that Lord of the White Spire at some point. Um, but that's... That's me in a nutshell. Um, so, Charlie, how about you, man? Uh, well, I've pretty much grown up loving games my whole life, and I've had my toes in a lot of different pools. Um, I used to be on um, a podcast called the Heroes Power Hour on Blizz Pro uh, for 
JR's website. And uh, we talked Heroes of Storm for a long time and uh, just transitioning into um, Artifact for a little while there while that game was still um, alive and well. That was fun for a while and it kind of made me interested in the whole Dota world. But I had reached a point in my life where just dedicating all the time to MOBAs just wasn't really a thing for me anymore. The knowledge sink, the reaction time, the just the long games. It, it, it was hard for me to really approach Dota from that aspect. So. When this game came out, I was I was highly interested, especially in the in the idea that it's basically a MOBA, but you don't have to do any of the fast you know fast reactions. I, there is some APM in this game, but you you don't really have to be this um, young <laughs> twenty year old like locked in and focused and ready to uh, play a game all the time, which is nice for me because I, I like to unwind yeah. games these days. So this is MOBAs for MOBAs for old people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like you said, it combines a lot of the CCG aspects. I myself also the same thing. I played a variety of card games growing up, uh, from Magic to Dragon Ball Z to Raw Deal to Yu Yu Hakusho to uh, the Lord of the Rings. One. I, I've been in so many different CCGs growing up. They've always been kind of my my thing. And uh, something like this just kind of scratches all the right itches. I like poker a lot, too. And you, you got a little bit of that aspect here. Uh just about resource management and knowing when to commit and things like that. So I, I'm just, I'm really feel at home in Dota Underlords right now. I'm at boss five and I'm, I'm very close to uh, getting big boss. I, I myself would also like to get to white spire, hopefully within the coming week or two. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Willie? I, I think you've got a little bit more Dota experience than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. But like Charlie, uh, I also worked on the heroes power hour um, with him. Uh, after that, I, uh, I've been a long time Dota guy. Um, got into the ba the Dota beta way back in the day. Um, bumped into a guy n named LD, uh, who ended up becoming one of the founders of Beyond the Summit. Um, I worked on Beyond the Summit as a Twitch mod, and then LD just one day was like, "Hey, you're our lead Twitch mod." Oh, okay. So. That's I guess that's a title I have lead mod for Beyond the Summit. Uh, I also work uh, in Dota 2 as a match administrator, uh, again, with Beyond the Summit. So if you ever wonder why a tournament's running on time, I'm literally the reason. Uh, let's see. So if it's not running on time, you're also literally the reason. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's always it's always like someone someone is showing up late. Someone had to like bio or something. All right. so, um, so, so you just take all the grats, but you know if something goes wrong, it's someone else's fault. Got it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, and also, like Charlie, I got I got really invested in, into Artifact. I ended up buying like a bunch of people a copy of the game, um, and uh, that didn't work out. Uh, and then I just started playing uh, auto chess within the Dota client for the longest time, just because it was it was a nice time sink. So when uh, Underlords came out, it was just a natural transition, and I, I find myself having a great deal of fun with the game. It's just something nice, like you guys mentioned. It's just something nice to relax to, you know. Yeah. Uh, I I suffer from ranked anxiety, so I, I I'm playing bots more than anything else. But like. I, I can hold my own in a game. I, I've been I've been doing some ladder here recently, and I've I've been climbing fairly quickly. Yeah, well, we might want to talk about ladder anxiety at some point. Uh, not not today, but some sometime in the future, because I think that's an interesting topic. Uh, that's something that definitely comes up in Hearthstone as well, and other games that I've played, and kind of how to 
how to battle that, but uh, I, I know the Underlords did something here uh, very recently where they made that probably a little bit less of a problem by uh, introducing the casual mode, um, which I thought was really nice of them to do that. So you don't have to play against bots if you don't want to. So That's true. Um, but uh, beyond that, anything else that you guys want to talk about on this before we hop into the news? No, I think we can move on to the news. All right, let's do it. This week in Dota Underlords. Uh, so the first topic uh, that we wanted to talk about today, uh, we had an update that I believe came Thursday? Uh, yeah, August 8th. Yeah, that yeah. was on Thursday. Yeah, so we kind of had a new patch uh, that hit, and this was after, you know, some of the... We've had a couple weeks of just really big patches, and this one seemed to be a little bit smaller, um, not quite to the extent that the other ones were. Um, but Charlie, wh wh what kind of stuck out to you the most with this patch that you wanted to talk about? Well, as far as like a quality of life thing in the user interface, I was having a real problem not being super familiar with Dota and their heroes when identifying which heroes were already being taken when I tabbed into the scoreboard. Um, it's a very big part of my game, keeping track of what other people had and trying to identify which one was a tree prophet versus which one, or which one was a treant versus which one was a lone druid versus, you know, it, which one was a lichen. Sometimes it was very hard for me to identify. So we added this thing now where when you're on the scoreboard, if you click on a hero, it'll gray out all other heroes that aren't that hero and highlight all the ones that are. So you can easily keep track of how many, um, of a potential resource has already been fished out. Uh, it's very helpful in the early game for keeping track of uh, which you know units I want to kind of be on because I know they're not being overfished. A lot of times in the early game, you might tab up and see seven or eight or nine bat riders are already gone and you've just seen your first one and now you know, probably not a good idea. So that, that's been very helpful for me in that regard. Uh, as far as gameplay goes, the biggest change for me was uh, probably the hunter change to the Alliance. Um, it, it's just a big jump in DPS for them, going from 20 to 25%. Uh, their extra attack, when they uh, start going off, they can be very useful. And uh, I've had a few games where I've high-rolled some attacks with snipers and uh, not really uh, one fights I probably shouldn't have due to it. So it's it's definitely uh, very very relevant for that uh, for that alliance. Yeah. Um, those were some things that, you know, I, I'm still kind of not getting used to to myself as far as like keep i'm not doing a good job of keeping track of what other people are grabbing and um usually and this is probably why i'm struggling at the level i'm at right now um where i just kind of go well this is kind of what i want to do and i'm just gonna go all in right now and just do it and i i don't do a good job of kind of seeing what other people are up to so this will probably uh help me a little bit like you said like, like it's helping you in that yeah, regard for sure um Probably the biggest changes that like I saw uh, for me was just kind of the alliance changes that that came into play, um, like uh, the whole elusive level three alliance. Um, all units gain plus seventy five percent invasion to all heroes gain seventy five invasion. Yeah. You know, no no longer can you do the whole shenanigans of those summoned units also getting the <laughs> evasion. Uh, yeah, especially with uh, Nature's Prophet, those trees could get highly annoying at 75 evasion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Willie, was there anything that uh, you wanted to talk about on this patch? Yeah, actually, uh, the Doom change. Doom disabling, disabling uh, Alliance passives. Uh, that's actually pretty big, and putting Doom on the board 
uh, makes the the wild wing ripper round creep round a lot easier. The big griffin things, yeah. The like as soon as Doom gets uh, his Doom off onto one of them, that that seventy five percent evasion on him is gone. And not only that, like I think I haven't seen it interacted with yet, but I think it disables all that extra HP off of brawny units. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it disables the passive and alliance bonuses. So yeah, it would it, it chunks them right down to what their normal health should be. So with yeah, those changes so... to Doom, though, have you guys actually seen anybody actually playing Doom? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've seen a few people frontlining two one-star Dooms in the transition to the mid game just to get out those extra alliance because there are points of the game where the alliance um, the alliance bonus kind of swings things very heavy, especially if somebody gets into like suddenly gets into six savage. So. Um, Doom, Doom's a way of mitigating that, uh, especially if you're not already in a demon and you're just kind of looking to survive and, and transition into whatever your build may be. Yeah, I've I've yet to really play anybody that's playing it, though. Uh, it's just, I just haven't really seen it. And every time it comes up, I'm usually already, you know, in Shadow Fiend or uh, Queen of Pain or something like that. There's just no point in grabbing them. Yeah, that's the issue I think a lot of people find uh, aggressively fishing for Shadow Fiend or Queen of Pain early will kind of like make Doom look like a bad option later because you don't want to give up that demon bonus. Right. Um, anything else on there, Willie? That... Uh, don't, I, it lines in with uh, the alliance changes and the, the demon hunter change where uh, uh, Terrorblade no longer gets that double bonus off of the demon hunter bonus, which I, I feel like is a, a pretty giant nerf to him. He's still um, strong, and, even with that. Nerf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're just talking about nine or uh, level three uh, elusive alliance bonus, and like Charlie brought up the other day, throwing a terror blade or a slark in there with that seventy five percent evasion is is idiotic. Yeah, he's generally the last piece in a nine evasion comp. Though nine evasion is a bit memey. Um, <laughs> I oh, yeah. prefer six evasion, and then maybe if I get lucky, I'll transition into it. I really like Terror Blade still with uh, with four knights or with six knights rather. Four is fine as well. Um, it's all about whether or not you built the anti mage early. Is kind of if I'm considering Terror uh, Terror Blade. Right. Yeah. Like the other day, I had um, I had a three star anti mage by level eight. So yes, I was totally going into Terrorblade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, another thing the uh, the Helm of the Undying has been a, a godsend for assassin comps. Oh yeah, because for sure. Because yeah, you throw it on that Bloodseeker man, and he gets that that five seconds of that absolute max attack speed. It's silly. It's yeah, so I'm silly. A lot more Bloodseekers now. Yep, uh, Bloodseeker and Slark seems to be. Although Slark usually ends up getting the. The silence mask. Uh, yeah, the mask of madness. Yeah, yeah. it definitely, it definitely gets. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time, throw it on Slark. Yep. I'm also a fan of it on Lycan, uh, Helm of the Undying. I think giving uh, Lycan more chances to summon wolves and just his general damage output with the extra little bit of armor can be pretty effective. It's nice on a lot of brawny units too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like I, 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 that's normally what I hit is either brawny units or um, some kind of assassin. Um, like, and I normally go with blink dagger just because he, he can just tear up some back lines pretty quick. Oh yeah. And that, yeah. With, uh, that change to blink dagger where it gives you 50 mana, yep. man, that's, that's really strong yeah. and, and getting, and getting lichen out into his wolf form, like, you know, also gives him that crit as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh do, 
combat's uh, stat skill panel now treats kills like damage, which means summons kills accrue to the summoner. So at a glance, that doesn't look like it would mean much of anything, but if you put a poaching knife on a uh, Venomancer or oh. a um, Nature's Prophet or anything else that summons things, those summons, when they get kills, will now have a chance to proc the dagger as well. So that's really the only thing it affects currently, but it might it might be more down in the future, especially if Brawny ends up with something that can summon things. So are you guys pretty high up on poaching dagger? I actually think it's pretty garbage. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's it's not a great it's not a great item. Uh, I I throw it on if if I'm forced into it. Occasionally, you find yourself just getting items because it's the best of a bunch of bad choices. And I like to throw it on Arc Warden for the chance at double procs. Um, I've had it collect somewhere between nine gold or twelve gold, something like that, one game for me. So it's it's worked out. But the at that um, tier of items, it's very competitive. And if you compare it to a lot of the other items, it ends up falling pr pretty short. Um, if I've got a right clicker, I'll pick it up. If if I if I've got someone like a bloodseeker or something like that, something that's going to attack quickly, I'll I'll throw it on there. Yeah, like a slark, like a two star slark, I'll throw it on him just because of the auto crits at below thirty percent health. Um, but like it can for be the most cute part, on Luna for the same reasons. Yeah, exactly. But like for the most part, like I'll I'll look at something else if uh, if I'm running a different comp. Um, I think we've gone over everything that was big in this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we this was a much smaller patch um than what we've seen, um, but also some fairly big changes. Um, and it makes me excited to see like they've been coming out with stuff relatively quickly in this beta. Uh, like, I do have a I do have a question for you guys about a, a previous patch, and and it, and it was the the head to head update. Now, before it was everyone was randomized before, right. but now you're in a you're in a straight up one v one. How do you guys feel about that that change in particular? I I like it. I I think it's great. Um, not not knowing who's coming up next um is kind of freaky, but like knowing that you're like one dude's not going to take out twelve people. You know, I mean that's not possible. But right. like you guys see my point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, from someone that came in to the game without knowing anything about these style of games, um, it took me like three days to understand that the match that I was watching, it wasn't what the other person was seeing. And that was very confusing to me as a new player. Um, once I understood it and what was going on, I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, it's just randomized. I only see who I'm playing against, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why Why don't they just have this head-to-head -head thing where I am fighting you and and we both kind of see at the same time how our battle runs out. So to me, it makes a lot of sense, especially from a new player perspective, that this is, you know, how things should be, in my opinion. Um, so I really, really like the change. Um you were going to say yeah. something, Charlie? No, I, I just echo those sentiments. I totally agree. I think it makes a lot more sense to show the head up. It's great for um, tournaments and uh, broadcasters and, and whatnot. It's going to be a lot easier for casters to kind of uh, click between the action and show what's going on. Now they only really have four boards to worry about instead of eight. And... Uh, yeah, I just think it it feels it feels more natural too when you lose heads up to somebody. Um, it, you know, you're not kind of thinking like, oh, some random bot match, you know, <laughs> went on while that other person had a random bot match. It now actually feels like you're playing with the other players as opposed to kind of playing, you know, separately 
from them in, in a way, which which is how it was previously. I, I'm, I'm not doing a good job of phrasing it here, but yeah, I, I definitely like the uh, like the head to head. I like I like that you brought up the casting uh, portion of it. Um, uh, as someone who is currently casting uh, an Underlords League, uh, yes, uh, it is a lot easier. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I think it just makes the game a better watch overall on Twitch or um, Mixer or whatever your streaming platform of choice is. Hitbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah that's, that's all I had. Yeah, um, but speaking of, like, w- when I was uh, talking about, like, oh, you know, they're coming out with patches fairly quickly. You know, they had just had a major patch, like, a week before this one. This one wasn't as big. Um, but they're still completely in beta, still bringing out new content. And uh, under, like, if you go to the underlords.com website and you scroll down a bit and you see gameplay features of what's coming soon during the beta season, um, they had a list of things here. Some of them is out, like rank matchmaking, tournament ready, um, online, offline mode. But there's some of these that are coming soon that they still uh, have yet that we're going to be looking forward to potentially next week, maybe, you know, in a month from now. Um, but there's a handful of these we wanted to briefly talk about. And the first one, I think this one's just uh, kind of an obvious thing is the Underlords Battle Pass, uh, where they're going to introduce progression, cosmetic, custom boards. Uh, we kind of already have this. They've kind of already implemented a piece of this. Yeah, yeah. It caps out at 25 currently, and I, I'm under the assumption that um, the coming soon means that they'll be adding more to that, more boards and, and whatnot for more right. custom um, you can kind of customize your whole experience on what you like to see and how you like to present your banners and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is something that they're, they've been experimenting with. It's obviously not like fully featured at this point. It's just, you know, you just want to get those new yo's basically. <laughs> That's all I use it for. Um, yeah. I just got the spicy pepper. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, but probably one of the bigger things though, that's coming soon is the seasonal rotation where every season will say goodbye to certain heroes, items, and alliances to make room for new additions that will shape the ever-evolving world of Dota Underlords. And so basically, the units that you're used to may not be there next season, and you might have completely new ones. And shaking up the meta, um, this is something we see in card games a lot. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, this, this change probably excites me the most out of all of them. I really like the idea of keeping the game fresh in that way making sure that there's not some, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, making sure that there isn't like some dominant unit that just stays at the top for so long. You can, you know, we might be in a shadow fiendless meta next season and and that creates all kinds of interesting dynamics who, you know, if they, if they were just to rotate out Slark and shadow fiend, that, that would be such a huge change into how you play the game. So it, it, it presents a lot of exciting opportunities. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about this? Yeah, I I agree. I agree completely with this. This is this is pretty exciting. Uh, exciting. Um, which to see some heroes phased out means we're going to be getting a massive influx of heroes um, in order to maintain alliances and stuff like that. And thing on the website that I wanted to point out was that if you look at the uh, seasonal rotation where it says coming soon, the wanted poster of Sven, the rogue knight. Um, I'm kind of taking that as a hint as Sven is coming soon to the game. 
because um, Val Valve just doesn't do anything without reason. They're, they that was a conscious decision to put Sven as uh, as that wanted poster. So, but yeah, the seasonal rotation is going to be uh, amazing. I think just seeing how players adapt to each season and how the meta uh, shakes out each time. That's uh, that's gonna be a lot of fun to uh, experience. Yeah, um, I'm I'm all for it. Just anything that shakes the game up uh, is gonna be good for the future of the game, especially if they do it at a very consistent basis. Whereas card games usually see it two to three months. Uh, every two to three months, uh, something will change, and then they'll usually have maybe a big rotation at the end of the year. Um, it just depends on how long these seasonal rotations are. Um, if they're going to do it every few months or if it's going to be, you know, a bigger thing than that, bigger period of time, or if they're going to do small changes and then a really big change once a year or something like that. Um, so I'm curious to see what more information comes from that. Um, another thing that's coming soon is match replay. Um, that one's pretty obvious on what it's going to be. Um, I don't know how many times I've had uh, some games that I wish I had recorded or something and then sent to you guys to see uh, just because something funny happened where maybe I'm at one life and survived the rest of the game and got first, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great for highlighting clips like that. Um, I, I'm personally probably going to use it to go back over matches I lost and try to try to identify where I made a mistake or if I can actually chalk something up to RNG or if there was something there that I just missed or whatnot. So I'm pretty excited for the, the replays. I'm Yeah. The, oh, go ahead. No, go. Uh, the replay, yeah, the replays are going to be great because, like, you can't not only, like Charlie said, see, go back, see where you went wrong. Um, you can go back and see what your opponents did right. And that, yeah. and sometimes that's more valuable. Like, how did they counter, yeah. you know? Learning from other players, yeah. I personally, I'm just excited to go watch my Tide Hunter make the worst move ever <laughs> and then share it with you guys because I've had a couple times now where he's like walked off to the edge. And then popped his AOE like nowhere near the opponent. The classics. I'm gonna make a Dota 2 joke, and that's called that's called a. Sh you can look that you can look that up on YouTube. It's uh, What's it's it a called? pretty you great. Cut, you cut out right when uh, you said the name. Of course it did. Uh, it, it it's called a Shiver Ravage. Uh, Shiver being a popular caster of Dota 2, and she uh, middle of the river. She decides to press R, <laughs> and hit, and nobody was around her, and. Uh, it, it's a pretty classic Dota moment. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the pathing in this game can be questionable at times. Oh I've, my I've god! Tusk, uh, make many a poor decisions. Oh, oh! I, I last night I had to reposition everything because every once in a while Tusk, even though he was in the middle, I had him in the middle of the screen for some reason. Instead of just taking one step forward and attack the thing, he would do this whole like circle route around and then come to the left side. I'm like, what? He'd walk behind everybody and then come around. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. If he gets force pushed, he's basically useless for seven seconds because he takes the damn scenic route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So listeners, if you're out there, let us know if uh, Tusk is actually the uh, special uh, AI because <laughs> I've had similar problems with Tusk. Like Charlie said, if he gets force staff, he, yeah, he takes the uh, long way home. Now, he takes now, the horse and buggy. Now, granted, Tusk might have that problem, but he also has my favorite thing that he ever does in the game, too. And that's when he shoots people up, and then you've got those ranged <laughs> people shooting it. 
and then later on you just see the slow moving dead body mm-hmm. down onto the screen. <laughs> yes, that never gets old. I That's appreciate my favorite visual glitch. <laughs> I appreciate a good sure you can add a tusk right there. The, the the good old walrus punch. Yeah. No, that's so give Tusk credit. He does have cool moments too like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hit you so hard I affect the gravity itself. <laughs> um but but uh last but not least, this one probably has the most controversy behind it is choose your underlord. And it's just the fact that there's not a lot of um information about this on how this is possibly going to work um but the description given is choose an underlord persona from our ever-expanding roster that fits your play style with unique gameplay affecting changes there's an underlord for everyone what does this mean something uh, like this oh, go ahead go John. Ahead. Oh, uh, <laughs> I like this always uh always worries me just a little bit um just because when you don't know what it is and they're gonna you you're gonna have to pick one and kind of think of it as your guild or whatever and it's going to give you special benefits you have to be very careful about the way you balance stuff like that because if one or two of them are a lot better than like the rest of them you're only going to see those two things they're going to define the meta and it's going to become you're going to become kind of pigeonholed into picking certain underlords if they in fact work that way um the gameplay affecting changes could be almost minimal that you won't even notice them. So it's really hard to speculate or freak out too much. But I do think if they're going to do things like this one makes, you know, assassins deal more damage or this one makes uh, uh, tank or warriors more tanky or whatever, you're going to have to walk a very fine line of balancing there. Yeah. And, and that that always kind of concerns me because I don't want to see I like how open this game is right now. There are so many varying complex strategies that you can approach from and and not there there isn't a wrong answer really it, it comes down to luck in some regards but it, it's just very cool to see that and i i don't want to see that taken away with the potential like oh this is the underlord god that makes you know this unit better and by the numbers it makes no sense not to take this guy all right no i i definitely see the concern there willie uh what do you think this is uh, I, I think this is probably going to be a really great thing. Um, but then again, I also thought Artifact was going to be a really great thing. Um, I, I, I hope they do something similar to Hearthstone where, where you're not permanently locked into picking an Underlord. Rather, um, it's a hero who just gen- generally enhances um, your style of units. I, I do share Charlie's concern, but to a lesser degree about balancing because the game hasn't been very, it, it's almost Marvel versus Capcom two levels of balance. Where I have no idea what that means. By uh, the way. It, basically everything is so broken. It comes full circle and it balances itself out. Um, Cause I can't think of a whole lot of things that aren't that are overpoweringly strong at the moment where, um, Hearthstone style heroes would come in and and completely upset that. Well, keep in mind that the game right now, the game that we have for the last maybe two weeks is like that. The game we had before the two weeks ago, I you can't say the same. Yeah, I mean there there were like yeah like Arcane Warden just like (laughs) completely ruined the meta. Refresher Orb Arc Warden two two Star Crystal Maidens just win the game. Right. I miss the primordial meta. I, I'm yes, that was. <laughs> I just missed the arc warden meta. It was so hilariously toxic. Like, who was going to get that first arc warden and just run away with the game? Yeah, 
<laughs> who's gonna deal six, who's gonna deal 60 damage to another player at the end of the turn <laughs> which was the thing that i saw happen pretty often i've done i've done that i think i did that in a game with charlie where i got the i got two two-star arc wardens and two refresher orbs and i just sat i actually went up and got it made a sandwich because <laughs> i wasn't losing that game yeah but no the the whole underlord thing like for me it depends on how they do it like i i'm kind of like the idea of like i really like that i don't know going into the game what i'm gonna play and i kind of play based on what i'm given and i feel like that's the challenge of the game is understanding what to pick up front based on what you're given and then what to kind of go into based on what you're given and then how to pivot if you need to um because nine times out of ten if i go in with a plan um on what i want to run i'm probably gonna lose uh, like, I'm probably going to get, like, eighth very easily um, because I try to just, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make that happen. And the game doesn't always agree with you on what that's going to be. So I'm hoping that this isn't something like that where it gives you kind of an idea up front on what you want to do and maybe give you heroes based on that play style up front. What I hope that this might be, though, is um, it might have a couple units that aren't available to the other underlords pools like if i chose this uh underlord maybe maybe my five star is gonna be something different like my end game is gonna be a special guy for whatever or um or maybe it's a one star you know or something that i can start the game with um but isn't gonna push me into any direction on what i want to do um i liked your hearthstone comparison willie uh because I like the fact that I can put in there, like you play with these neutral cards and you play with these class cards. And while the class cards can get, put you into very specific area, um, you can still have, you can still play Druid. You can still play um, Shaman, etc., and still have a very similar feeling overall. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, a, it's just slightly different because of the uh, unique cards that you get for each class. Um, and I would like to see that, but not at the same level of Hearthstone because you're still kind of forced into that, but more on a broader scale of maybe just one or two units and that's it. And, you know, they, I, I like the idea of them being more in-game units too, rather than yeah, early I, game. And I actually rather like that idea. That's, that's something I could definitely, definitely get behind. Um, if, if they do go that route, I hope they have a quote classic mode where you don't have to worry about choosing your underlord and stuff like that. I, I let me say, mm, how to put it maybe keep the choose your underlord in ranked i guess and have a, a casual mode where you don't have to worry about that and you can just straight play the game i guess i don't and know i agree that there could there should be a toggle option and and if they decide not to make it a part of uh or if they do decide to make it a part of rank then it should probably be toggable in uh in the classic modes or what yeah. if it's something where you've you uh have two or three uh alliances and then by doing that even if it's just like the first level of those alliances uh by doing that you get like a special ability i see what you're saying yeah yeah i, yeah, I, I could see that yeah I, like you could even like kind of apply it to right now where um if you chose this specific uh, the specific underlord uh assassins would get pocket sand at like level two alliance rather than level three yeah, but yeah. then that forces you into wanting to take assassins right off the bat. Well, isn't that the point of the heroes? The, I don't the know. Under, the underlords? I don't know. 
I, that's how I, that's how I kind of feel. They kind of want you to um, go in a certain direction when you're when you're when you're selecting an underlord. Yeah, I hope like, that's if I, not the case though. If I if I picked like let's say the horn lady, she kind of looks kind of spellcasty to me. Like I might I'll I'll have a bonus to mage, but in return I I can't pick hunters. Like hunters are locked out for me. I'm not a fan. I, I I'm not a fan of that because if the game can kind of potentially screw you over, um, it I don't know. I don't know. And then now I'm thinking about that. That idea seems to take a lot to uh, work out on the back end, and that's probably not that's probably not what the devs have in mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of like because if like let's say it, it's like something where you get. Uh, turn to or uh, second uh, pocket assassins instead of on nine or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Then if you don't go assassins because the game didn't give you that, then you feel super punished because you weren't able to use the ability that you're un- you picked your underlord for, and right, that, right. that feels bad. So I'd yeah, rather it be something where it doesn't matter like which alliance that you're picking, and mm-hmm. and we'll give you an ability so that that way the game um, still allows you to kind of feel your way through the game and not punish you because you decide not to go a certain direction. Yeah, I agree. I don't want it to be enforcing certain build paths before the game is even started. If if you do that, you're kind of you're kind of uh putting players in a bad position because they're going to be purposely looking for certain things and that's not really the I don't think that's what they're trying to accomplish here with underlords. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Um so we'll just have to see. I'm I'm curious to see like what information they come out with this. Um, but also, uh, speaking of things that will be coming soon, there was a tweet um, that Charlie had linked me to. Um, I'm trying to find it real quick. Uh, where someone had uh, was talking about the patch, and they're like, but I have to ask, can we get some news about when we can expect changes to Lord Leaderboard rank play uh, to make it less grindy and more skill-based? Is that coming in package with next big update or earlier? And uh, Dota Underlord's Twitter account responded with, we are working on this right now, and we're close to having something we can show the community. So I expect to see something about it this week with a response like that. They've been pretty rapid fire with their updates and and presenting what they're about to roll out. So I think any day this week we'll be hearing about what they have in plan there. Uh, A big problem with the Lord leaderboard right now that I see a lot of uh, popular streamers talking about is that there's there's no MMR accountants for when you win on who you beat. So you could be you could be rank you know fifty and beat one two three four five six seven all the the seven best players in the world according to the ladder and it would be the same as beating the seven worst. Uh, but well, that's kind yeah, of an issue. Yeah. Um, you, you don't really want to, especially when you're in there on the Lord leaderboard and you're you're you've got a specific number assigned to you. It doesn't feel good to just be the guy who played the most games. You know, you want to be the guy with the most consistency, the guy with the most first place finishes. Uh, you want to feel like you're you're um, outwitting your opponents and being rewarded for that and as a reflection on the leaderboard and it doesn't really currently do that um i would like to as we're talking about this this next big patch if it doesn't uh let's see here it should drop this week in conjunction with the international 2019 which starts uh that same that same august 15th so we'll definitely probably see uh a big patch either this week or next week towards the end of the international 
Um, cause that's, that's Valve's big event. That's, that's where they put all their, their effort into. That's where they announced Artifact. Uh, Underlords is, is taking off incredibly hard. Um, probably much to the surprise of Valve themselves. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely see like, so, pro- I think we'll definitely see some kind of major announcement for, for Underlords at TIA 2019. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious to see what they're going to do with this. Because uh, uh, I really like the recent change that they made um, to uh, ranking up in the game. Uh, yeah. Where you know exactly like where where you finish in a match, how, how that affects you 100%. Like you know exactly how many points you're gaining, how many points you're losing. You know exactly how many where you need to finish to go to the next level, right? And that feels very good for all the way through probably Lord um, and how, to, you know, a path to get to Lord. You don't feel like, well, I I just won like three games. Why didn't I rank up? Right. <laughs> you know, you that's know the exactly way that the game used points. to be. Right. You know exactly yeah. what you need to do. And I love that. Um, but I can definitely see where that's a problem once you hit that Lord or the White Spire leaderboard. And so they probably do need to come up with something that takes into account. And Hearthstone does this. Um, and most other games I've played do this, where it takes into account the level of player that you're playing against. Yeah, yeah, I think that that seems like the natural fit for the change, and hopefully that's what they do, because I, that seems to be what most people are clamoring for, clamoring for um, some sort of MMR-dependent system when you're in that, in, on those leaderboards in, uh, in Lord. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on this? No, I think we covered it pretty cool. well. Uh <laughs> 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 so next, next up, Willie, uh, you, you wanted to talk about, you, you kind of wanted to talk about a little bit about a pro league that you help with. Yeah, I am the, I am also the caster for uh, the Underlords, Underlords.pro monthly league. Um, we have a, a monthly prize pool of $175 with $100 going to the first place winner. Uh, we're doing our, our, our first season finale this Friday, 7 p.m., at twitch.tv slash underlords pro um come check it out but yeah it was uh, like we were talking about like uh, the higher level players and stuff like that just now and it was pretty interesting this week to uh watch watch the pro league um and some of the builds that were coming out were incredibly silly um uh, a noted player zabiyaka um Probably took the crown. Uh, Zabiaka played in the recent We Play Invitational. Uh, almost made it to the final round. He was like one place short of of making it there. Um, but he kept going Bloodborne, and not because he was forcing it. Well, I guess he was kind of forcing it, but he kept getting big time contracts. And I thought, I think one round, it might have been a creep round, but I'm he had a three star Luna with a big with a big time contract on it, and. He had two other big time contracts, and I'm pretty certain I saw a 17,000 uh, damage round come Jeez. out of her at one point. Like it was like that Luna was so huge, it was hilarious. Um, he didn't win with it, but my God, like he's one of our best players. Like his his placings that we do three rounds. His placings that night were one one five one. Guess where he played Bloodborne? <laughs> Ones. <laughs> right yeah but like just watching this guy play like he has like he has the perfect 
uh, I want to say uh, a professional mindset. Like you watch him play and it just looks like he's having fun with the builds he's doing. Like, cause he's doing a lot of off meta stuff. Like it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch it, watch him at work. And this is a weekly uh, tournament right now, right? Yep. Uh, first, the first four weeks are, are open to everyone. The last week, the main event is always uh, the top 16 from the league. So oh, interesting. Yeah. What what level of players are normally hopping into that? Is it every every level you can think of, or yes, but um, because of the limited size that we we have to do the tournament, like we just have like thirty two players right now because that's that's pretty much all all we can handle um, at present. We plan on expand expanding that at some point, but um, like it's filled with Lords of the White Spire. Like there was one game ever like uh, the the top group of the night last week every single player was a lord of the white spire oh wow so right. i feel kind of justified i feel i, I it's at a uh, twitch.tv slash underlords pro nice um they uh yeah it, 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 that that was pretty nuts just seeing all these lords of the white spire so like i kind of feel justified in saying it's a pro league because i mean there's all these you know top level players in it we've we've had swim uh he played in first week but then he had to go do we play um, but like some familiar names around the Dota community, Gela, aka Cola, uh, she she's been playing in it. Uh, DPM Licious has has come in every week. And she she had a rough week last week. I think she made top sixteen, but like it was it was pretty shaky there for her there at the end. So, but she admitted she like hasn't been up on Underlords as much as she wanted. How many different like leagues or tournaments are there with this game right now? Because I, I'll be honest, when it comes to the esports angle of this game, I know nothing about it. Actually, there is a, a DPM malicious is also keeping a track of of tournaments. I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say off the top of my head, there might be three or four currently active uh, leagues. With uh, I know ESL is running a league. I know um, obviously I'm I'm running a league. We play. Uh, yeah, we play. We play as well. Um, Ask Joshi was starting a tournament series himself. I don't know if he's going to do it weekly. Um, and then again, another uh, Dota caster, um, a guy I caster with two weeks back, Breaky CPK. He was running one. I don't know if he's still doing it. He he just moved here recently. Awesome. Cool. I'll, so. I might have to check that out just so that I can become a little more familiar with with this stuff, so we can talk about it a little bit more on the show. Yeah, definitely. I will. Uh, yeah, every Friday, every Friday, so, uh, come check it out. Come see some some really entertaining uh, underlords. Yeah. Um. So moving on here, I think we're done with the news. Um. Uh. Each week, or we'll try to do this each week. Uh. We have this little uh meta strategy segment that we'll talk about to try to kind of help you get better with the game. Um, try to help you get to the Lord of the White Spire yourself. And uh, let's hop over to that. Welcome to the Pro Corner. Uh, so this week, uh, Charlie kind of put this together. So I'm going to have him uh, sort of lead this. But um, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, items. And we wanted to talk about like the first tier of items that you can get. So on those creep rounds on the first three uh, rounds, the type of items that you'll see and which items to pick and which items go on which units. So, Charlie, um, 
you did a lot of homework on this. Yeah, yeah. I believe item placement is one of the more important things in the game right now that some players that might be struggling might not fully understand and, and which item choices you make and how much they impact the game. Um, it's the only real way to gain a competitive edge on your opponent. Uh, if you're all fishing from the same pool of heroes, everybody theoretically has the same advantages as one another, but depending on your item choices, you can push that advantage a lot higher than your opponents will. And this can make a big difference in the early game. Uh, win streaking in the early game can be highly item dependent, um, obviously finding a two star as well, but items are a big part of that. And if you win streak early and you conserve your life total, that means later on in the game, if while you're maybe looking around for stuff or falling off, you, you've got a lot of life to give up still. And you can trace, trace that back to making good item decisions in the tier one items. So. Um, I wanted to highlight some of the tiers of items and, and talk about each one um, and just kind of explain why they might, might or might not fit your uh, general strategy. So uh, the best tier for, in my mind is chainmail and gloves of haste. So those are just the best items in tier one that you can get. Yeah, every time um, I see these, these are the ones that I pick every single yeah. time. Yeah, you, you, there's no reason not to take gloves. It's a flat-out DPS increase in all phases of the game at 25% increased attack speed. You want to put this on whoever has your highest DPS. If you click on a unit, you can see their DPS, and all this is going to do is make that DPS come out faster. Um, usually it's going to be your two- or three-star unit, um, but yeah, you're going to want to move these around to whoever your primary DPSer is. Uh, it's it's great on five star units. It's great on four star units, three star units. It's it's just it's a great item throughout the entire game, and and there's never a bad time to take it. Uh, the only time I might consider not taking gloves of haste is if I already have one and a chainmail is present, um, or if not I already me. have two and a chainmail is present. If <laughs> I if I have a gloves of haste and I see another gloves of haste, I'm taking the gloves of haste every <laughs> single time. The only thing that hangs up for me is that chainmail is so good in the early game, and it's still it's still very relevant later on as well. But it's very very strong in the early game. Adding ten armor adds so much survivability. If you slap that on, if you're in two star tiny and you slap that on tiny, he just doesn't die, and he enables your backline to do whatever it is they're trying to do. It makes your it just makes your life a lot easier. Uh, I mean, it, you need four heartless four heartless bonus is minus ten armor from the enemy team, so that. A, a chainmail covers that, you know what I mean? Like a chainmail on something that already starts with 10 armor, like a Kunkka bumping him up to 20 armor. It just, it has a lot of um, utility throughout all stages of the game. And I think basically every good comp needs at least one frontliner. So having one chainmail can just make your job a lot easier, especially in the early game though. I can't, I really can't talk about it enough. Um, uh, about how good it is in the early game on your frontline units. But you want to be but you want to be careful about what you're putting that chainmail on though. Yeah, that is true because technically it will stop you from gain you will gain mana slower, so you won't get your spells off. That's why it cannot if you're primarily using Kunkka for his ghost ship, it might not be as good of an idea to bump his armor up. Right. I just wanted to point that out that you know chainmail does have some drastic effects depending on who you're putting it on. Yeah, that no, that's definitely a, a point to be made. Um, it's obviously yeah. got a home on anybody with a passive attack as well, um, or a passive ability because it won't. They don't need mana, so. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say something. Um, Chainmail, you almost never want to put it on your mages. Uh, mages, some heavy, heavy use mana people because there are like, I'm not gonna put it on a razor in the early rounds because he won't. I don't think. Razor will actually hit his full mana pool if he's wearing a chainmail. 
I think he'll get KO'd first. Yeah, the, the only mage you can really ever consider it on is probably Crystal Maiden, and, and there's always a better option than Crystal Maiden as far as, like, what to put a chainmail on, usually. <laughs> Mask of Madness. Yeah, Mask of Madness on, uh, on Crystal Maiden is technically an okay play. <laughs> <laughs> so the next next tier is a item all by itself in Blightstone. Um, it's a great engagement tool, especially for multi-attacking units and frontliners that miss out on chainmail. Um, it's strong... It gets stronger for each unit attacking the same target, which is why it's great for frontliners. If you throw it on a tiny, someone who has a physical magic attack, it also adds that minus armor to his uh, special as well. Um, and yeah, this gets better for each unit attacking the same target, so it's also very helpful in situations where maybe you find yourself in, uh, in Sniper at the end of the game with the Gyrocopter and the Sniper. Um, Ooh, or Marksman, yeah. I think what it's called. Uh, Blightstone really does some extra work there. Uh, but yeah, Blightstone's just minusing armor and and increasing your overall DPS amongst the units is a really big deal. It's also very helpful when you have units that get summoned a lot. So if you've got a Lycan, if you've got Menomancer, if you're in Nature's Prophet, all those units tend to clump on the same target. So uh, Blightstone can be very effective there as well. Yeah, um, it's great on a Luna as well because she can spread out the buff, uh, spread out the damage. You know, Tusk. The, the, the three targets. Yeah, Tusk as well. Um, yeah, that's, it's just a really good item. Uh, I, I think people kind of undervalue it because they just see minus three seems like such a low number. I, I, I don't think they evaluate it properly, especially at lower ranks. I, I noticed not many people took Blightstone. So I, I, I'm it's, a big proponent of that. It, yeah, if that's the only thing that I have that's not Chainmail or Gloves of Haste, that's what I definitely pick for the exact same reasons. Like, you put it on your front line, like you put on a Juggernaut, you put it on um, mm -hmm. you put it on your Venomancer, or, or things like that, and while it doesn't seem like you're, like, it increases DPS basically for that unit and for other units targeting the same thing. And that's basically almost a Gloves of Haste right there. And that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's 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 very helpful for nuking down specific targets. And, and uh, these games, um, most, the thing you got to really understand about uh, Underlords, especially, it's, it's very snowballing combat. If one or two units die on one side, the team that, that gets that little bit of lead tends to just overtake the rest of the team very quickly. So something like Blightstone kind of plays into that and allows you to snowball quicker. Um, so uh, moving on to the OK tier, uh, these items are just OK. Uh, <laughs> Vitality Blooster and Claymore. Uh, the reason these are just okay and the numbers look big, but they're just a flat number increase, and that's going to scale down as the game progresses. While um, I believe Claymore is 30 attack right now, which is pretty good in the early game, it, it doesn't mean a lot by the time you're in round 25 or round 30. You know, it, it's it's not it's not that useful. Um, Vitality Booster is a little better in that regard simply because it's the 250 health, and I like to put these on units that are crucial to my lineup, but I might not have hit two star yet. Let's say I threw a Disruptor in or an Alchemist, and I'm just worried about him being able to take that little bit of extra damage so they can get their magic spell off. Um, Vitality Booster has uses like that later. Kunkka is another great one, Tidehunter. When they're all still at one star, it can be it can be the difference in getting your ultimate off or just being a useless unit on the board. Uh, Morphling's another one that comes to mind uh, when you have one star Morphling early. Uh, it can kind of keep Morphling live enough, uh, alive long enough to make sure that it gets off that splash damage and drops aggro. 
that's why I probably put Vitality Booster just a little bit more useful than Claymore, but not it's not that big of a difference. They're they're basically the same kind of item as as far as usefulness. When you got a Claymore, you want to put it on a unit that's either attacking a lot of targets or doing a lot of splash damage or something that attacks very fast. You can put flat out um, attack increases on stuff like Bat Rider uh, later on if you get Arc Warden things like that. Any, anybody that has a high uh, attack speed, it's it's pretty decent on. Usually you're hoping for other options, but if it's all you got. That's where you want to put it. Yeah. Uh, normally, if I'm stuck with one of these, um, for the most part, I usually just put it on one of the guys on the front line, uh, depending on what I get later. Yeah. It's yep. just something that, well, this will go on a unit and do something that isn't great, but it's it's more than nothing. Exactly. Yeah, they tend to find themselves on your... Uh less impactful units uh, throughout right. the game. You, you tend to move them around as you get better items. Yep. So now we can move on to the bad tier. Uh, these items, uh, their effects are very minor in comparison to the items we just talked about, and that's uh, Tranquility Boots and Brooch of the Martyr. I don't even know what they do, because I never pick them. <laughs> I do, and I'm going. we're going to have an argument. Oh. <laughs> so Tranquility Boots has a um, has a has the effect of giving you HP regen and it gives you uh, increased move speed. The increased move speed doesn't mean a lot, but now that uh, force staff is actually a good kind of a good item, it can be important if you're countering force staff heads up. It's nice to put on a unit that might get you're expecting to get blown out of combat, but would like to tusk turn return right back <laughs> into it. Yeah, tusk um, or you know depending on. Um, what kind of tank you had early as well? Tranquility boots with uh, tranquility boots with that extra little bit of HP regen at twenty can actually make a difference. Uh, Brooch of the Martyr is okay. My main issue with Brooch of the Martyr is that um, its effect, its first effect of giving the unit that has it on more mana gain, it's not really as impactful as you'd hope because a lot of time when a unit's not getting focused, it doesn't mean anything. And when they do get focused, they gain the mana quick enough either way, especially if they're two star. Um, it, it doesn't just make it doesn't make enough of a big enough of a difference. Um, if you're going to put it on somebody, you can put it on somebody with a lower cooldown and maybe hope that you get off an extra proc or two of their ability. Um, you, Tinker might be a decent target for that. Uh, the bigger part of this is the um, it gives you a 50% debuff resistance. Now that's actually pretty relevant, especially later when you start running into disruptor and whatnot. So it can be used as that, as just a straight out debuff resistance item. And and when you think of it like that, you can kind of bump up its usefulness just a little bit. But I'd still think I'd rather have a claymore or vitality booster. Hmm. So Willie, uh, why why do you why do you disagree with this? Okay, Brooch of the Martyr is amazing for frontline. It's like the warriors, like Tiny, you throw a Brooch of the Martyr on Tiny, he's going to get that stun off. Like, he's going to get that multi-person stun off. Um, also, Brooch of the Martyr reducing uh, debuffs by 50%. Um, I just ran into a game where I actually had to take a Mask of Madness off my three-star Slark and put Brooch of the Martyr on him because I kept getting procced by Shaman. Like, it kept... Yep. And so instead of having a four-second debuff, uh, I was like, it was two seconds. So, and then Stark was able to get back up and chop, chop, chop his way to victory. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Brooch of the Martyr or Tranquility Boots are useful or useless. They do have <laughs> useful, uh, <laughs> they do have useful uh, uses in certain situations, especially like the one you just described. My main issue with them is that they're not nearly as impactful as Chainmail, Gloves of Pace, or Blightstone. And I'd rather just have a flat-out safe number increase rather than 
I might need this kind of item. Right, 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 right. I see what you say. Uh, and uh, yeah, tranquility boots, man, that's 25 HP regen. That's a fat chunk of HP to get back for a second. It's helpful in the early game. It, 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 it's, it's definitely noticeable. They've, they've done a lot of work to make this item better, but I, again, you, you're going to notice the extra 250 health off of the Vitality Booster rather than, you know, hoping that your unit needs a full 10 seconds of, well, you would need 11 seconds of regen to eclipse the usefulness of the Vitality Booster, right? Right, but sometimes all you need is half that time. And sometimes it does. You know what I mean? Like sometimes fights are over very quickly and you, you, yeah. there's no way that you're going to be able to survive long enough to get the full usefulness out of it. Um, but it, it, does, like, it does matter. Um, if splash damage was more of a thing in this game, I think I'd, I'd probably rate boots a lot higher. But splash damage tends to come on either late in the game and it's so much that there's no real mitigation for it, like in the case of Dragon Knight. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I definitely hear your points on that, though. Uh, and I will... I, I agree that you know these items can be used. They're not they're not so bad that you should never ever pick them. You're often in situations where you're forced to pick them, so it's important I had, to know why they're I, good. I had thrown one on a uh, a pair on on a, a two star juggernaut, and he survived. There was a lot of late game rounds where it was just he would, and it, it's a good put. And now that I think about it, it's actually a really like pro play if I think about it, because when uh, juggernaut activates his blade whirl, he's magic immune. Yeah. So he's only going to take right clicks. If you're if you're coming up against ability heavy comps, like that's pretty much free regen time for him. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, both those items are actually great, are better on like a bruiser off tank type uh, and brooch and tranquility. It's it's nice to have that. I could see brooch being good on juggernaut as well. Stopping disables is important. Yeah. Now we'll move on to the uh, really bad tier. I, and again, these are just how I name the tiers. I think these items are all pickable in various situations outside of Hood of Defiance. What? I think Hood of Defiance I... is easily the worst item in the game. Um, Hardest to You're never going to want to take it. There's never going to be a mag mage online strong enough yet or any magic that you're going to be so worried about that you're going to need that 50% resistance right away. And every single other item has more of an effect on the game. Like 50% magic resistance isn't that big of a deal. Like it's it's almost negligible as an effect. It, it, you're not going to notice it enough, and you're going to wish you picked a more impactful item when uh, you have Hood of Defiance. The regen of 10 is almost nothing again. It's better than what Cloak was. Uh, Cloak was an item that was in the game that this basically replaced. But this got moved all the way down from a Tier 3 item to a Tier 1 item, and it's still not that great. I... I Basically, never take Hood of Defiance. Um, <laughs> and I take Hood of Defiance all the time. It, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't recommend that. You might want to rethink your... Yeah. Uh, the, the, just because the, like, the magic damage is so what? You have 150 to 75 or something. This, does that really matter? No, because Vitality Booster adds... To, like If you just think about it flat-out numbers, Vitality Booster at 250 adds more resistance to that magic damage than adding magic resistance would, right? I think the only time I would... Well, the only time I think I would take Hood of Defiance is if I'm somehow given a choice between Hood of Defiance, Hood of Defiance, and Hood of Defiance. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like I, everything I, else impacts the game so much more. I, I think it's great for ensuring uh, your your unit is going to be able to get that that one... 
ability off before before it pops when it, when you're going up against heavy like heavy ability damage comps you know i can say that yes if you happen to find yourself in a hood of defiance it's only going to be more useful in the late game um where that 50 percent magic resistance might actually make a difference against a mage comp that's running full right. coddle you know see and then yeah yeah maybe you throw right. it on your disruptor to make sure it lives long enough to get off its alt or something like sure. that you know those those kind of situations do present themselves yeah. but Again, you're taking a round one item and saying, maybe it'll be useful in round 25 or 30 when I need you. Right. <laughs> right. I, and so here's the thing. I took Code of Defiance because I'm worried about the late game. Well, here's the problem. At that point, I probably did not make it to the late game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you should be worrying about getting there rather than what you're going to do when <laughs> you get there. Clearly, I, I, I'm in a minority <laughs> opinion that, that Hood of Defiance isn't the worst item in the game. And then finally, the last item, and a little bit of a controversial pick, and I will I will justify it, but embarrassment of riches. I think this game this item got really bad once they uh, got rid of the alliance changes. There used to be all these alliance items, and there was a lot of them. And hood of uh, I'm sorry, embarrassment of riches would offer you a lot an extra pick in that sea of variance, so you could kind of have a better chance at finding the better items. There's a lot less variance now, and um, I just don't like the idea of Embarrassment of Riches because you're passing on an item in favor of having a better chance at better items later, but you don't know that you're going to need that luck protection. For all you know, you could, you know, instead of taking Embarrassment, you can grab the Claymore or the Blightstone and, and go on your merry way and continue to roll and get decent items the rest of the way through and, and making Embarrassment a bad choice if you took it. Um if I had two you know, hood of a defiances and embarrassment of riches, I will take embarrassment of riches. I'll say the only time I ever Yikes. really <laughs> the only time I take embarrassment of riches, I think it the only time you can really justify its pick is in round one when it will have the most impact on the game. If let's say you see round one and you're looking at tranquility boots, embarrassment of riches, and hood of defiance, well, yeah, maybe embarrassment yeah. of riches is the way to go. But even then, sometimes I kind of lean towards tranquility boots just because I know it's going to have an effect where I don't know that embarrassment of riches is going to impact the game. Um, you know, it's kind of its. Uh, and it has, there's another um, global in Smuggler, and we'll talk about that when we get to Tier 2 items, but I just think that offers a much better effect if you're going for that kind of uh, luck protection or, or you know trying to scale up. Uh, Smuggler is going to be kind of what you're looking for in Embarrassment. And the idea behind Embarrassment is, oh, I'll get more choices, so I'll definitely get a good item, but it's not always the case. Sometimes you see, you know, you know, you see a couple clunkers from last level, and there really was no reason to take embarrassment. You're like, well, I passed down a blightstone for that. It seems like there a bad is, choice. You know? There is one thing that embarrassment of riches will potentially do for you. And that's if you're looking to acquire uh, multiple big time contracts, you have a better chance of doing that. Yeah. I think if you're identified, you know, if you've identified yourself as going for a certain bill, embarrassment is going to help you get there. Especially if you, you know, you're going, Oh, I'm going to do a summoning comp this game. Right. You, well, that'll give you more chances yeah. at summoning stones. Then. Yep, exactly. That, that's but I, that's really the only thing it really gets you. And I feel like that mindset is the wrong way to play this game, right? Because we talked about forcing yep. builds and not being flexible in what you see often leads to early finishes in the game or just, you know, trying to overfish a pool that everybody's in. Yeah, knights is great, but when three other people are knights and, and you're late to the two-star Luna party, you should probably start looking to other options. Right. Uh, but... Anyways, yeah, um, that's my that's my analysis of the tier items. Um, feel free to die. I'm far from the all-knowing source on this game. This is just my take and the things that I like to pick. And um, feel free to email us or talk to me on Twitter about it or whatever. And uh, tell me why I'm wrong or tell me why you agree. 
Yeah, I would like to hear those thoughts too because this list is fairly similar to what, where mine would have been. Um, obviously, it's not the same that Willie would have picked. <laughs> no, and, well, I'm curious. I'm just curious, Willie. Where do you rank Hood of Defiance? Then would you put it above Brooch? It's an okay, it's an okay tier item. You would put it in the same with Vi- Vi- uh, uh, Vitality Booster and, and Claymore then. Yeah, because okay. I mean, you can kind of consider the damage prevented the same as Vitality Booster, kind of. Yep. So. Yep, technically. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's the best here, but it's it, like I, I definitely disagree with it. Um, with it being in the really bad tier. Fair enough. So uh, yeah, that's that's gonna close out the meta and strategy. If there's anything you'd like us to cover too, make sure you send that in an email, and we can make that the focus for a week if you have questions, or at least answer your questions in the email. Speaking of email, yeah. Um. um no. Speaking of email and everything else, it's probably time to. Go ahead and uh, get out of here. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you'd like to email us uh, with the, you know, you, you have an idea for our meta strategy segment or anything like that, uh, you can email us over at uh, younderlords at gmail.com and uh, we'll be happy to uh, get those emails, read them on the show, answer your questions. I have a feeling we won't get one for a while just because it's a brand new show. But uh, feel free to surprise us, because that would be cool. Um, (laughs) But also, uh, since this is our first show as well, I am working on getting us up on all of the different uh, podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, So anywhere you uh, would like to find the show, we'll try to be up on there. Um, and if you want to leave us a review on something like Apple podcasts, uh, feel free to do so. And, uh, for each review we'll get, we'll read it on the show. Please. If you give us a bunch of one stars, I guess we'll read that too, but that'll make us feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> it also means we have to change the show because we're just really bad at our jobs. So right. hopefully, hopefully you're giving us some five stars. Yeah, if you're going to give us the one stars, do it now early so we know that we should get out of this before it's too late. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, so hopefully, uh, if you want to like get the RSS feed or anything like that, just head over to YetiArcade.com. There will be a link there, hopefully, by the time you hear the show, because how the heck are you hearing the show if I don't have all the stuff set up already? So That's true. That is true. Um, So... Shout outs and how can people get in contact with you? Let's start out with Charlie. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter at BalrogFanBP. I'm pretty active on there. Uh, you can find me posting my, um, I post screenshots of how I place in Underlords. I also have a link to my um, my placings in each match that I play through a Google Doc that if you want to see, you can take a look at. Uh, feel free to ask me any questions or thoughts that you have. Um, as far as shout outs go, I'll, I'll shout out our D&D game. We play D&D every Thursday. Um, oh, usually DJ Tyrant uh, hosts the uh, stream. If you want to <laughs> see us uh, in a completely different environment, go ahead and check that out. Oh, man, I, I didn't even think about plugging our D&D stuff on here, man. That's, <laughs> that's a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's always, uh, <laughs> we always tend to have a pretty good, good, good time with it. It's a uh, good three hours of shenanigans. Yeah. Willie, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zexorus. You can find me on Twitch at Zexorus. You can email me your complaints directly at Zexorus at gmail.com. Tell me how bad I suck. Um, you can find me Friday nights at under uh, twitch.tv slash underlordspro. 
casting the pro league out there uh that, yeah that's pretty much all the places i can think of where someone might find me awesome uh for me uh quick shout out i want to give a shout out to charlie and willie for uh, joining me on Aww. this show and uh Aww. doing uh getting this started and kind of seeing where things go i hope uh hope this is one of a lot of episodes because this is pretty fun uh, but sure. if you want to find me, uh, you, you can venture over to the Twitter and uh, look for Eldorian, and that's where I'm at, uh, at Eldorian. Uh, so anyway, thanks for joining us for episode one of Yo, an Underlords podcast. You can tweet us at podcastyo or email us at younderlords at gmail.com with comments, questions, and ideas that you have for the show. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you all next week.